Direct us, O Lord, in all our doings with thy most gracious favor, and further us with thy continual help, that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in thee, we may glorify thy holy name, and finally, by thy mercy, obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Have you noticed? Have you felt it? Have you had the inkling that time itself is changing and the days are growing darker around us? Have you felt the change in the light? Have you felt the disturbance in the force? Oh, that totally bombed at the eight. Thank you. I appreciate that. Today marks the fourth Sunday of Advent, and with it, the shortest days of the year are upon us. On Tuesday, the winter solstice will mark the day with the least amount of light in the whole year. And so if you feel like the day and the night, the sunrise and the sunset, are being gradually more blended, you're right. The transformation of all creation in response to light is magnificent. We watch the world come alive at the dawn. And you can watch sunflowers actually turn as the sun moves across the sky. And our moods actually brighten in response to more light. And so we need the sunlight to survive, and we need it so that we can grow and be transformed. A long time ago, in a Galilee far, far away, was a woman named Mary who was betrothed to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. And one day the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And Mary was much perplexed and pondered this greeting in her heart. But before she could speak, the angel continued, She would conceive and bear a son to be named Jesus, who would be the Son of the Most High, and to whom God would give the throne of his ancestor David, and a kingdom that would never end. And Mary responds, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. The angel reminds Mary of her cousin Elizabeth, who at that moment was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. Elizabeth, a woman beloved to Mary, who had also received a prophecy from an angel about a child to be born under unusual circumstances. And the angel concludes to Mary, For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Which brings us to today's gospel lesson, the meeting of Mary and Elizabeth and Mary's great song of praise, the Magnificat. But before we go there, 
I want us to realize something important about Mary. Mary is a prophet. And a prophet is a person who is bestowed with divine knowledge by God and is transformed by that knowledge to go and share the will of God with the world, which in turn will be transformed. And Mary is one of these, one of the highest of these. Mary is bestowed with great knowledge from God. She's physically transformed by her pregnancy and her sharing the will of God with the world. Her giving birth to Jesus, the living word of God, will transform everything. So Mary is a prophet. Following on that, think about all the prophets that we know. Most had to be dragged kicking and screaming into their call. But when they were convicted of God's message, and that that message from God needed to be shared with a hurting, lost, and broken people, they changed their tune. Nothing a prophet has done or is currently doing makes God choose them. But it is all about how they respond to God. Take Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah. When the angel appears to him in the Gospel of Luke to tell him that he and Elizabeth will conceive and bear a son, Zechariah's response is the same as Mary's. How can this be? And the angel Gabriel's response is this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. His voice is denied. But when Mary asks, how can this be? Gabriel is tripping over himself to explain what will happen. And she's empowered with her voice. Why? Mary is described in the Gospel of Luke with a word that is never again applied to another human being in the Bible. And when the angel says that Mary is highly favored by God, the word in Greek basically translates that Mary is highly receptive to God's freely given grace that is bestowed upon her. And Mary is already receptive to the grace of God in such a way that no one else is. And for this reason, she will be entrusted with God's only son. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now a prophet carries a heavy burden. And Mary will bear God's will as a physical burden with her pregnancy. But with this divine knowledge becoming incarnate within her and through her, Mary is transformed. Throughout history, all humankind has struggled to understand the overwhelming grace of God made known to us in Jesus Christ. And we ache to know, to really know, how and why God chose to become one of us, for us. And at the heart of this question is Mary, a woman chosen by God. So we think of her in a hundred different ways. She is the queen of heaven. She is meek and mild. She is a triumphant prophet. 
She is barely more than a child herself. She is a most highly favored lady. She is the Theotokos, the God-bearer. But Mary was the mother of Jesus. And isn't it compelling that God not only chose a woman, but chose to enter the world through childbirth? God chose to be brought into this world as we all are, but also to be delivered in the way that only half of the world's population is capable of doing. Perhaps the only purview that is exclusively a woman's purview, the visceral experience that can only be known to women. And what else is a woman's purview in our world today? Every day, 830 women in the world die of illnesses related to pregnancy or childbirth. In the United States, women are earning 79 cents to a dollar that a man earns. One in three women globally is a victim of sexual abuse. One in four women globally will be victims of domestic violence, an act that is only punishable by law in 79 countries. In 2015, 1.5 million girls under the age of 18 will be forced into marriage. 840,000 girls will be exchanged in sex trafficking, over 20,000 here in the United States. Only 14% of executives are women, and less than 20% of congressional positions are held by women. Women are trapped by social constructs and language to look, to behave, to follow and to lead in very specific ways. Even St. Beyonce of Knowles has to clarify, I'm not bossy, I'm a boss. Thank you. Hold on. (laughs) And feminism. Feminism, the advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of political, social, and economic equality with men, is still very much a dirty word. But we are women. We are your friends and your colleagues and your spouses and your daughters and your teachers and your mothers and so many other things. And God chose one of us. God chose Mary to give birth to Jesus. God chose a woman to bring forth the word of God in the world. And this, friends, is still revolutionary. For whatever narrative we create about her age or intelligence or status in first century social order, we know all the truth we need to know about Mary. That Mary was receptive to God's grace like no other person was, is, or shall be. For that gift, Mary would carry God's Son forth into the world And one day Mary would help carry him down from the cross. On the day of his birth, she would wrap him in swaddling clothes and lay him in a manger. The way on the day of his death, she would wrap him in a burial shroud and lay him in the tomb. Mary is the God-bearer. And like so many prophets before her, Mary's task from God was terrifying in its scope and thrilling in its outcome. But before the birth and the death and the resurrection, Mary carried God into this world with her song. Before that silent and holy night, 
Mary sang with power and conviction about her God with whom nothing was impossible. My soul is magnified, she sings, and my spirit rejoices. She sings not of herself in this song, but of the greatness of God, that God is mighty and holy, merciful and just, compassionate, honest, faithful. Friends, I ask you in this song, is anything meek and mild? Mary sings of the powerful being torn down from their thrones, the lowly being raised up, the hungry being fed, and the restoration of God's kingdom and relationship with his people. It's humble of Mary, yes, but it's a testament to the profound grace of God that transforms all things. And who knew this better than Mary? Who would possibly know it in a way more than Mary? And yes, despite that rinky-dink theological horror disguised as a Christmas carol, Mary did know. Every single moment of every single day of his life, Mary would know without a doubt who Jesus was and what he would do. Mary is a person unlike any other we see in the Bible, and it is crucial to honor both her motherhood and her prophetic voice. Because in both ways, Mary brings the word of God into the world. The grace of God, the favor of God, passes all of our understanding, and God's favor continues to extend towards us and over us and through us. And when we receive it, not unlike Mary herself, we are transformed. We can't help it. And because we are transformed by this relationship with God, by this responding to God's grace, like we respond to the light in these darkening days, we allow ourselves to be transformative in the world for God. By responding to God's grace, we are transformed, and we allow God to make us transformative in the building up of God's kingdom. Mary is told by the angel that God will overshadow her, that God will envelop her with a holy presence. And this is the same way that God shadowed the disciples under a crowd at the River Jordan with a voice that said, This is my beloved, my son, in whom I am well pleased. Mary was received into the grace of God and the overshadowing light of the world to become transformed. What are we to do with this? I know that sometimes we have the tendency to look at Mary and think that her example is to be meek and mild. To follow is that to follow her example is that no matter what crazed, horrifying, life-altering prospect that is brought to our doorstep, they are number 1 of God. And number two, to be accepted gracefully by saying, here I am, a servant of the Lord. But that's not always the case. And none of us are Mary. Very few of us will have angels appear and say, I stand in the presence of the Lord. Here's what's going to happen to you and what you're going to do about it. But many of us, 
will seek to discover divine knowledge and be transformed by it. All of us are able to seek God, to praise God, and to build up God's kingdom in the world through justice and mercy and compassion and honesty and faithfulness and community. In these days with the lengthening nights and the closing of a year filled with as much darkness as there is light, we look again to the wonder and joy and hope of the light of Christ coming into the world. God is overshadowing and enveloping each of us with grace, and Christ is the light of the world who stepped down into our darkness to illuminate and restore creation. Guiding us is the Holy Spirit, who enables us to see and hear and respond to this widely given and wildly thorough favor of God. Today we look to Mary and her Magnificat to see the light despite the darkness and to hold the joy and wonder alongside of the pain and confusion. We look to Mary to show us how to bring God's transforming love of Jesus Christ into the world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Amen.